0: Hi, I'm Nina Starner.
1: And I am Abraham Josephine Reisman, but you can call me Josie.
0: And this is One of the Girls, a podcast about pop culture, girlhood, and the way the two intersect. Yes.
1: Oh boy, today. Today we are back, baby. We are After a long hiatus and a lost episode drop, we have returned. We have returned. Um, And today we are talking about uh, an iconic... Uh, for better or worse in the culture, female-led movie, and Mm -hmm. that is Ghostbusters, parentheses, 2016. Directed by Paul Feig. Paul Feig, yes. Yes. Starring many wonderful ladies, and boy, was this one a controversial topic back in 2016.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Josie, you're the one who brought this one as like a good candidate for the podcast, so why... Why did you want to come back with this one before Absolutely. we get into the Absolutely, I will of it? tell
1: you the 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 dumb reason is I was <laughs> at a screening uh, at my local movie theater of what is it, The Boy and the Heron, the new oh, Miyazaki, phenomenally
0: the me- beautiful, movie. so good. Yeah. I
1: loved that. But one of the previews, because it's a kids movie, mm-hmm. The Boy and the Heron, or it's rated for kids, sure. you get a lot of stuff that's targeted at kids in the yeah. trailers. And they had an ad for a movie I had not seen a trailer for and actually did not even know was happening, which is Ghostbusters colon Frozen (laughs) Empire, which is the sequel to the reboot of the reboot of Ghostbusters. Basically, very long story short, (laughs) after this female-led reboot in 2016... Uh, a few, a couple of years ago, they released Ghostbusters Afterlife, which has well, and nothing Jason to do Reitman's
0: with... helming that. Yes, right? Jason yeah. Reitman,
1: Ivan Reitman's child is mm-hmm. uh, is helming these sequels, and they are direct sequels to the original Ghostbusters uh, duology. You know, which
0: essentially leaves the female led reboot in a kind of like ether where it yeah, doesn't, it doesn't like matter count. anymore. They completely
1: yeah. wrote it out of the franchise. It right. doesn't now. In in I, not their defense, but I guess the logic there is the female led Ghostbusters also jettisoned the previous continuity. There are plenty of homages and echoes, but it's not in any way set in that continuity. No, Bill Murray is there
0: movies. playing a different character, and right. Dan, Dan Aykroyd, Aykroyd is there as a
1: cameo, right. as a cab driver, you and know, Ernie Hudson I,
0: shows up at the very, very end. You know, well,
1: yes, I, yeah. I will. I one of the many things to recommend the 2016 Ghostbusters reboot is that Winston, as played by Ernie Hudson, finally literally gets the last word. Yes. the Ernie yeah. Hudson, the Ghostbuster who comes in after the original three have formed the group in the original. Um, you get to see uh Winston finally get his due. Yes. Uh, although he's playing, he's I guess he's playing a different character, but still having yeah, he's Ernie the Hudson. Uncle Jones,
0: the uncle of Leslie Jones. The uncle of Leslie
1: Jones, right. Yes. So yes. Anywho, it's it's a really fascinating movie. And I I before we go any further, I feel like we should put out there mm-hmm. that there is a fascinating fact about this movie that will change the way you see it. Now, a lot of people saw this movie when it was in theaters and walked out, even people who were very pro the idea of a female-led mm-hmm. Ghostbusters. That would include they walked me, out, actually. Including I, myself, actually. I was very yeah. much in favor of it. Right. Um, and I walked out of that theater going, eh, it was okay. Like, I, I there were parts on a
0: streaming rental, and I unfortunately watched it with um, an idiot straight man that I was trying to impress. Right, And right. I decided that I would um, ride his dumb train of thought and be like, that was stupid. Yeah. Being heterosexual is a a curse and existence is a prison, but go on. Yeah.
1: Yes, we all agree (laughs) on that. But um, what's interesting here is the version that's currently available um, on all streaming platforms and on DVD Blu-ray is an extended cut with 17 minutes of additional scenes. And I hadn't seen that extended cut until I watched to prep for this. Now, my spouse and I, we watched Ghostbusters 2016 together. And throughout, I was like, this movie is delightful. I must have just not appreciated it because I hadn't transitioned. I wasn't a woman yet. Now, I think Mm -hmm. that is a big factor. And we'll discuss that. There's a lot of stuff in there that even in the theatrical cut, I think I didn't fully get because I wasn't looking at it from a female perspective. But I think the bigger factor is the 17 additional minutes are great. Like there's a lot of really, there's a huge plot hole that gets fixed. There's a lot of character development. And
0: I'm excited for you to kind of promote this extended version because I somehow managed through a very, very legal server thing to find <laughs> not the extended version. Like I probably watched the only right. like version of Ghostbusters 2016 that does not include those 17 minutes. So for the first time in our podcast's relatively brief history, we did not technically watch the same Watch movie. the same movie. Yeah, That's so correct. I am very yeah. excited for you to, to speak on this and kind of educate me and anyone listening like about why these 17 minutes really make this movie because yeah, I still had a great w- time. But I want to hear more about like how I could have had an even sure. more amazing time.
1: I'll give you the quick rundown of yeah. the five of the five scenes that get added. This is according to Wikipedia, so I'm guessing this is the case. <laughs> yeah, let's let's um, hope it's right. <laughs> there's a scene where Kristen Wiggs character, Aaron, is ridiculed as a quote, ghost girl, which is the nickname that she had as a child, on the street, which leads to her punching the bully. And now what the Wikipedia entry doesn't mention. The bully, who is a very funny Chris Gethard. We love Chris Gethard. Love
0: Chris Gethard. Very
1: funny guy. He plays this, like, quote-unquote amateur journalist who's, like, <laughs> holding up a phone and recording video of him right. confronting the Ghostbusters and going, like, oh, uh, Aaron, aren't you, w- you know, weren't you uh, obsessed with ghosts as a child? So who, what's it all about, ghost girl? And, like, is very... I that
0: that's up- his sick burn, is ghost girl. Like, that's well, the meanest like she- thing he can, like...
1: Well, he he he's quoting the that he oh, learned from his I from her friends. Well, even
0: that, like her her middle school bullies couldn't come up with anything better. Right, like, I what know. A well, it's
1: a, but it it, it it in the context of the movie, if you take it for granted that she yeah. finds it insulting and it was a yeah, real source of trauma absolutely. for her, it's a really interesting scene that really gives her a lot of power. Right. That shows um, the kinds of ridicule that women often get. Yeah, uh, where it's infantilizing. You know, if you're trying to be a professional, people will look for things that make you look either slutty or infantile. Well, and that's and- so
0: interesting because I want to focus on Kristen Wiig's character, Erin, for one moment. Oh, she please is so. She's a great character, and her growth in yes. this movie is so fascinating. Because to speak to the infantilization of Erin like right from the jump. No one takes her seriously even before she gets back into the realm of the supernatural and ghosts. Yeah. Like no one cares about what she has to say in academia. Everybody yeah. disrespects her. And she, I love Kristen Wiig as uh, the straight man in a given situation. I think that oh, she-
1: absolutely. Is
0: actually best utilized when she's not being like the wacky target lady. As much as I love like some of her, you know, classic characters. like No, the, she
1: works much better as she's somebody a great, who's naturally- Yeah, She's naturally funny, so you're going to laugh kind of no matter what she's saying. Like the
0: dry wit really comes through, and you get to see a dialed back kind of...
1: Well, along those lines, there are a few scenes. I should have said not the five (laughs) scenes, the five sort of scene categories, Mm because I'm not even sure the specific ones. I'm just reading these lists. But there are scenes that that establish much more, and I can't remember which ones, but Aaron wants recognition in the scientific community. That's Chris Wigg's character. And there, there. I remember in watching this extended cut, I, I can't again. I don't know which specific moments it, were, it was, but seeing that character development in the mm-hmm. extended cut, I was much more compelled by yeah. Kristen Wiig's character. Yeah, Who I, I can liked see that. when I first saw it. Yeah, but w- they really give her a full-fledged arc where she starts out. As this academic right. who is trying to make it as a serious, uh, I believe it was, was it physicist? I can't even remember now. Yeah, they yeah. Sort of it, hand wave debate. Science a bit, mumbo jumbo. Yeah. Science mumbo jumbo. Yeah. I think it was physics. But um, she's trying to make it. Uh, as an academic at Columbia... Josie,
0: we're not STEM girlies. Respect to the STEM we're girlies, STEM but we are girlies. not STEM girlies.
1: Very yeah. humanities. <laughs> um, as was, I think, everybody who made this movie. Yeah, uh, exactly. Not very, Katie not Dippold hard,
0: and Paul Feig are not STEM girlies either.
1: Hard, yeah. hard, not hard science fiction. Um, But you get to see this arc where she starts as somebody who's trying to be taken seriously mm-hmm. in somebody else's world and by yeah. somebody else's standards... And then she gets roped back into her past, which was ghost hunting that she did with this friend uh, who is played by... uh,
0: Melissa McCarthy. Sorry,
1: we have to go back. I just almost said Michelle McCarthy. Oh, we can't even keep that in. I want people to know that I'm a complete no. Moron. i we're,
0: we're not we're not editing that because Michelle McCarthy is a great I only said Michelle McCarthy
1: because I was watching first season of True Detective and thinking about Michelle Monaghan. But anyway, I'm Melissa usually McCarthy, thinking
0: about Michelle Monaghan. To be absolutely fair, so she's you know, a
1: wonderful actor. but she's fantastic. That's neither here nor there. So <laughs> Melissa McCarthy plays her friend Abby, who yeah. has also become a scientist of much less repute. Yes. Um, and is working with uh Kate McKinnon's character, who is this. Wacky, perfect Winnie character Holtzman, named Jillian Holtzman. Queen, yes. Absolute queen. And eventually they link up with Leslie Jones, who plays this former She's MTA, an MTA employee, employee.
0: Yeah, named yeah, yeah. Patty,
1: who has an encyclopedic knowledge of New York right. and the underground of New York. And Aaron remains the, although there are other characters you might like more, Aaron is the, the central character. She's the core of the character. movie, absolutely. She's the core yeah. of the movie. And in- she's
0: the only one who really has like a full journey because everybody else is kind of there to a little bit, I think, aid in Aaron's journey, in my opinion. Yeah,
1: sure. Because Abby and that's is the fine. link to her
0: past and Winnie allows her to kind of explore like a stranger side and then like- You mean nah, also- Julian, you mean Holtzman? Jill- yes, yes, Holtzman. I always yeah, think her name fine. is Winnie. Eh, we're that's both fine. making everyone name just mistakes call, Everyone just
1: calls her Holtzman, so we'll right. just stick with that. Yeah. And I
0: call her the woman of my dreams. Um, but yes, she's yeah. fantastic. Well, and I think that everybody is there to kind of help Erin become like self-actualized in a way. And yes. I don't really mind that the other characters are there to prop up Erin and help her figure out how to be like her best self. Because right. I also think, and we've talked about this a little bit in advance of this recording, but I want to kind of get more into it, which is, the use of Melissa McCarthy, not just in this film, but in the Paul Feig over, and I know that we've the discussed... The
1: Paul feig yes. Yes,
0: and I know we've kind of discussed maybe exploring more Feig projects and, yeah, you know, stay Very tuned. possible, but, yes. But Melissa McCarthy is expertly deployed in all of his films, and it's the same in this one where she is... Maybe she's a little out there. Maybe she's a little weird. But she's the smartest person in any given room. She knows yeah, what's Either up. her or
1: Aaron. Either or her, her or, or Aaron. Aaron. Yeah, this is kind of like, maybe everybody- the
0: only one where she, like, has a match in that regard because mm-hmm. I would say in Spy... Or I guess The Heat as well. But, like, in Bridesmaids, when you find out she's got the nuclear codes and six houses right, and right. she's, like... She's
1: just a level up above everybody. Right, she's just
0: so far above anyone else in that sphere. Right, um, right. And... You know, it's just, I love that Paul Feig trusts that Melissa McCarthy is a really, really intelligent actor. You have to be smart yes. to do comedy. To, I always think about, I mean, she has such a great list of performances. And I mean, she was also amazing in Can You Ever Forgive Me in her, you know, major dramatic turn. But a, a performance that I think about kind of a lot is her first turn as Sean Spicer on Saturday Night Live.
1: And the reason I I remember that, tell me. The
0: reason I bring that up is she doesn't do anything but stand behind a podium. She doesn't do any wacky physical comedy. That's before they started kind of bringing props into it. And her first appearance, she just captivates the audience so fully by doing nothing physically. It's just the strength of her impression and performance, and the absurdity flowing out of her mouth. And she is that powerful and that smart of a performer that she can hold a, a room captive because she is just so good at what she does and, and they don't play yeah. they don't
1: play her as gross in this one no that's the thing no. i really like because even in feig movies mm-hmm. melissa mccarthy is often played for some degree of gross out humor or right. at least this woman is very much outside the realm of conventional femininity mm-hmm. what i love about her in this they don't really establish anyone's direct sexuality like holtzman is strongly implied to be holtzman at least is bisexual if not like a straight-up lesbian <laughs> right um, but well, it's is-
0: played by Kate McKinnon, who like I mean, we we talked about Barbie last season. Like Kate right. McKinnon brings the like sapphic energy to everything that she does. Everything and I'm that she does. Literally never mad about it. I'm obsessed with it. No, actually. no, I love it. Yeah. But
1: um, but Abby is more ambiguous. Yeah. Like, my headcanon is that Abby, the Melissa McCarthy character, <laughs> is definitely gay. Like, definitely a lesbian. Do you think and- she's in love with Aaron? I think she's semi in love with Aaron, but like many friendships between women mm-hmm. where one of one of them is a lesbian. And Aaron right. is terminally straight unless she has some major revelation. That is her. I love that there's a movie where her fatal flaw is that she's straight. Like her fatal Girl, flaw is she loves I men. She's it. too yeah. into men. It's very well, and relatable. she's too
0: into, and I'm sure we're going to get into the Himbo-Hemsworth oh, turn, Hemsworth. which is so good. But yeah, she's obsessed with him and all the rest of the women are like, why are you even what Speaking is with you to
1: this man like right and she what has is terrible wrong with you yeah she has like terrible taste or at least radar for men like there's there, her 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 initial boyfriend is uh, i read as uh as closeted gay and mm-hmm. i'm trying to remember how many of the uh original scene, how many scenes in the do you remember much about the the first boyfriend was yeah, he in much by, of this theatrical uh, cut? He's
0: played by Andy from Weeds. He's like barely in it. He's not supportive interesting. of Interesting. They, yeah. they put
1: more of him into uh, the extended cut, and they have this very interesting relationship Can you remind where- me of the
0: actor's name?
1: Right, why am I drawing a blank on his name? Justin Kirk, there we go. Thank Justin you, Kirk. thank Sorry. you, thank you. It took me two seconds I, there. I know but, you yeah. did
0: not watch Succession, but he just had like this masterful turn. Right, as I know. but As I, a I'm, fashy, I, yeah. Um, Justin
1: Kirk for me will always be Prior Walter in Angels in America. God, that's, he has had that's such his...
0: a long career. He also, yes. really quickly, because I have to promote this show whenever sure. I can, was on a standout episode of You're the Worst called LCD oh, Sound yes. System.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: Um, where he, yeah. Perfect episode, go watch it if you haven't. Justin Kirk's
1: a terrific actor and he plays this boyfriend who's very fashionable, Mm -hmm. doesn't want to kiss her with the mouth open (laughs) and sort of looks the other way embarrassedly when she gets fired. Right. And I I read it as he's one of those closeted queens who's been closeted so long and has made it so far in the cis male... He's world. just he's just
0: this way now. Like he's he just, just like
1: this way and yeah. a horrible misogynist because he has all <laughs> of this buried anger at women right. from having to date them. Um, but like, you know, you see Aaron have this real fixation on men, mm-hmm. and everybody else is totally uninterested in them. Like Patty yeah. Leslie Jones's character is like sort like she looks actually at the boyfriend. Maybe the scene wasn't in, um, the theatrical cut, but while Erin is talking to her now ex-boyfriend because he comes to try and, like, get her attention. Right. Um, Patty has this whole monologue where she's standing next to Abby mm-hmm. and looking at the boyfriend and just going, ooh, I bet he's a good dancer. Like, I bet he dances <laughs> like this. And they just do this, like, goofy <laughs> ad-lib thing where Incredible. Leslie's dancing the, and Abby's like, nah, I think he dances more like this. And it's sort of like... Right. It's very <laughs> funny, but it's not... It's not lustful. It's much more just... They're they're just dunking on him. They're just kind of dunking on him. You know, Patty's kind of like, I bet he dances really well. Mm -hmm. And Abby's like, he dances poorly. I've seen him. And it's just, it's this interesting little moment where they're talking about a man, but it sure doesn't feel like, I mean, the movie obviously doesn't violate the Bechdel test, but that (laughs) scene doesn't. Because even though they're talking about a man, they're sort of talking about him the way they'd talk about a cartoon character they were watching. Or like a zoo animal
0: or something. Yeah, yeah. an
1: adorable pet. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's so funny. It's, and well, let me get back to the other scenes because there's yeah, the, that were deleted because there's a few that are relevant to this conversation. Um, There are additional scenes to flesh out the background of the villain of the movie, Rowan. Interesting. Okay. And why he wanted to unleash the ghosts. So okay. there is this big bad who is this, uh, again, I can't remember what's in the theatrical cut, but in the extended cut, they established very much that Rowan is this sort of. Men's rights activist type guy,
0: fabulous. You know, okay. played yeah. by
1: Neil Casey, I should say. Neil right. Casey, the great comic actor, yeah. very good in this. Yeah. He plays this just sort of shitty guy who is in a you know an abused place in the workforce. He's this janitor at a yeah, hotel, at like,
0: at like a pretty rundown hotel too. A rundown like hotel yeah.
1: that has like mm. nothing's working. Yeah, and he's let his resentment fuel him to. I mean, none of this is like terribly psychologically elaborate, but as far as action movie metaphors go I was happy with the way they set him up in the extended cut where like his whole deal is that he much like the women of the Ghostbusters has been shat on and insulted his whole life and his answer to that is well let's you know fuck life let's just destroy everything as opposed to there's a great scene maybe it's in the theatrical cut where they go to confront him and he says, "Do you know what it's like to have you know be laughed at all the time?" And they're oh, like, "Yeah, yeah." And they're like, "Yeah, we do, right? <laughs> like, of right. course we do. We're women, like a, trying to right. make it in a professional such, world.
0: That is such a perfect encapsulation of, everything. of
1: yeah. how the the incel men- MRAs tend to think. Mm-hmm. But they're like, do 'Don't you know my pain?' And it's like, what if you opened up your mind to the fact that we're all in pain for similar reasons?" and we could maybe make the world better. Right, we're
0: experiencing a slightly different version of what you are that has so much in common, but you're not looking outside of your very narrow worldview. Yeah.
1: And all he wants to do is just blow everything up. Right. There's also a great little line where he just, I can't remember exactly how he says it, but he's doing the ramble about what's going to happen in his apocalypse scenario. Sure, the
0: villain ramble, yeah. Right, (laughs) and he
1: does the villain ramble, and he goes like, soon thousands of ghosts will be revealed, most of them dudes. And then like just keeps
0: going. (laughs) Incredible, incredible. Yeah, I I, yeah. So I mean, it's so funny because like this movie speaks directly to the people that hate it. I think in a very in a very strong way. Like, and I think I think it's it's, there was a recent situation where I don't know if you watched the film May December, uh, which is I did not. I
1: heard good things about it. It's phenomenal,
0: but but it's you know it's a very searing look at kind of how Hollywood takes real traumatizing stories and and you know makes them into content and it didn't get nominated for like it got nominated for one oscar for its screenplay none of the performances got nominated and everybody is like oh it's because it it read the academy to absolute filth and i think the reason i bring that up is i feel like people saw this movie and they were like i am in this photo and i don't like it and, yeah, I think you are completely they saw, right. Like the critique of them being like, "I don't want a lady Ghostbusters." Blah, blah, blah. Like you know, yeah. God forbid women have a Ghostbusters movie. Like, what is that actually doing what to does anyone it mean? in the world? I don't like, care. Shut up. Like you know, I was, I keep bringing so many things into it, but you know, Seth Meyers was doing a closer look, and he was talking about people complaining about Taylor Swift on the NFL camera, and yeah. he was like, "Why do you care?" And I feel like yelling, yeah. "Why do you care?" at a bunch of mad dudes is kind of like my. And many women's kind of default setting, right? You're just well, like, I do you
1: give a shit. And this really, this didn't invent the wars online that oh. presaged Trump, absolutely, because not. that really gets forged in GamerGate a couple of years before this gets released. Right. But boy, did this catch the wave of those radicalized <laughs> GamerGate assholes online. Yeah. And the movie does directly address that. Like by the time, just from the announcement, people were yeah. upset. So right. making the movie, they had a lot of opportunities to add in stuff that comments on that reaction. You know, they have like at one point, one of the videos of the, the in-universe Ghostbusters mm-hmm. goes up on YouTube. And they go to look at the comments. And the first comment that Melissa McCarthy reads really is, is, ain't no bitches going to catch no ghosts. No. And it's like... <laughs> She, her line right. delivery of it is very funny. I can't recreate it. It's like nobody no yeah, bitches. nobody can match yeah, it's that. Very moment. funny. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but the point is, like, right from that moment, and then throughout the film, they're going, they're they're lifting the finger, the middle finger, double yeah. birds at everybody who would criticize this movie on the facile basis that they don't like a women led ghostbusters exactly and i'm sure that was a huge factor in its underperformance and its right. eventual getting of the kibosh in the form of this new re reboot you well, know and i, I think, think it becomes right that a lot more people- and more yeah.
0: relevant with each passing year you know this movie came Absolutely. out in 2016 before donald trump took office and yeah. the the mis- just a few injury- months but like right. it was in
1: the midst of that
0: right and the misogyny and rampant sexism that infects yeah. you know American culture and the world's culture has only gotten worse and worse and worse yeah. under, you know, the leadership of a man who made it okay to say all the bad quiet thoughts out loud that, you yeah. know, a lot of people harbor. Mm-hmm. And I think that watching this movie is like for me, watch revisiting it without a dude next to me on my couch who again I want to say is one of the dumbest fucking people I've ever met in my life. So taking his opinion seriously <laughs> was a mistake on so many levels. If you're listening to this. Um,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. No, like I,
0: I mean, who, who among us has not tried to impress a, 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 a possible romantic interest by being like, yeah, I thought that was stupid too. Yeah, Dumb. sure. Um, but you know, it watching it with more of a clear vision of like, that this is what women face every day. It's something that I also thought about a lot while watching this movie is I have a book um, by Rebecca Solnit called Men Explain Things to Me. I'm making eye contact oh, yeah, with it Solnit. on my, on my bookshelf right now. And the yes. opening chapter is her talking to some guy and he's like, oh, did you read this book about, I have no recollection of what it's about. Yeah. And he's explaining the book to her and she's like, after like 15 minutes, she's like, yeah, I wrote it. Like, right. I literally wrote that right. book and you're right. telling me about it. And I felt like that This is almost that energy is what is very present in Ghostbusters 2016, and I something that we should probably bring fold into this is that I also watched the original Ghostbusters again. Oh, I did too
1: in advance of this. this. Oh boy,
0: yeah, and there's actually something really crucial that I want to bring in, and it's the endings of both films. But I think we can have a larger discussion about the original Mm. compared. So at the ending of the original Ghostbusters, they're hailed as, like, heroes, and they're basically, like, you know, they're the, the favorite people in New York, right? And mm. at the end of the female-led Ghostbusters, the Andy Garcia's mayor and his attache, Cecily Strong, another great human being, um, they basically tell the female Ghostbusters, we want you to keep doing what you're doing, but we have to pretend that you're insane and discredit you. Right. And you have right. to do what we want you to do, but you have to do it in secret. And what a difference between those two endings. That is so wild to me that that in the female-led reboot, I mean, and I think that was a really smart call on Feig's part to really drive home the point that like nobody, it's that photo from Arrested Development where Job and the other magicians have the sign that says we demand to be taken seriously. Like that is the fucking thesis statement of this movie and watching them basically back to back. I was like, oh my God. Wow, like he he got it right in the most painful way possible. But let's yeah, let's let's revisit. I mean, I, yeah, I would you love up. to revisit Ghostbusters 1984. <laughs> I was actually doing it and I was like, serious question, was Bill Murray ever hot? <laughs> like yeah, how we well, <laughs> Cuz I'm looking he, at this man and I'm like, I'm not I don't want to sleep with Bill Murray, but this well, beautiful young the- co-ed is batting her eyes at him and I'm oh, confused.
1: Um, I really I, I have to say, I've seen Ghostbusters 1984 Mm-hmm. more than almost any other movie most of those times when I was a child. Yeah, my, definitely watched my a kid a
0: lot, yeah.
1: My household, there were like two VHSs that we watched more than any others, and they were Young Frankenstein and the first Ghostbusters. My father loved both of those movies. Incredible, incredible Loved picks. watching them with... Yeah. yeah, well, like, he was, they were good picks for kids, mm-hmm. and they were good picks for their era. I don't yeah. really blame my father, but, like, Young Frankenstein holds up. I watched that a few years ago. I was going to say, I grew up in year. a very
0: Mel Brooksian household. Yeah. And Young Frankenstein was underpin- actually
1: holds up. It yeah. is not problematic. It's very good. Yeah. Whereas Ghostbusters 84, man, what a weird, often repulsive movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bill Murray is sort of the problem in this movie. He was mm-hmm. he was the solution at the time because yeah. he ad-libbed most of his lines and everybody thought he was very funny and charming. <sighs> yeah. Uh, and if he hadn't done that, it may not have succeeded because the original pitch for Ghostbusters from Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis That's was right. much Please more of a straight... Yeah. Yeah, it was much more of a straightforward action movie because you have to remember Dan Aykroyd really does believe in ghosts. Like Dan yeah, he's Aykroyd got a lot is of a
0: woo woo going on. Yeah, yeah, he
1: lo- he believes in aliens. He has crystal yeah. skull vodka based mm-hmm. on the he allegedly sure alien created crystal skull. So um, good for Dan him. Aykroyd. Yeah, right. Good for him. Totally harmless, but he yeah. really believes in the supernatural and right. wanted to make a, a more straight ahead action movie with jokes in it right. about. Uh, fighting ghosts.
0: And Bill Murray and, rolls in and he's like, no, this is silly business.
1: Yeah, Bill Murray yeah. famously, infamously saw the script and was like, well, I'm not going to say any of this for my character. I'm only going to oh do God. this if you'll let me improvise. So he improvised <laughs> and there's a lot of stuff that maybe is maybe it's still funny, but I've seen it so many times that I can't <laughs> even find any of his jokes funny, really. And most importantly, this is the first time I watched Ghostbusters 84 since I transitioned and have been... Yeah. In the girl mindset. Yeah. And watching it this time, I was like, God, what a fucking date rapist. Like that character uh-huh. is really re- I'm not saying this as like uh, you know, everything from the past should be exactly the way it is in the present by present standards, but sure. even by 84 standards. Like I guess in movies that sort of thing was okay. Yeah, we've got a
0: borderline Revenge of the Nerds situation going on, where like a lot of right. you know, like the stuff in that movie, even by that time standards, you were like, really, you put that in a like, movie?
1: Really? It's the I mean, we already had the women's liberation movement and right. lots of years of feminism. Why are we still doing this depiction of like? Well, and
0: maybe this and is a hot take. Sh- maybe it's spicy. Maybe it's lukewarm. I don't know. But like, what a waste of Sigourney Weaver, in my opinion. I like, know. Like She's she the- spends the whole movie zooled up. And like I just I mean, yeah.
1: Whereas her she's, not the whole movie the earlier no, parts, where no. she's great in the earlier parts. Yeah, she gets to lampshade how awful Peter Venkman, Bill Murray. That's character, true. is she yeah. gets to go like you, you are. You're not like a scientist. You're more like a game show host. You no. know, which my dad. <laughs> yeah, she always does thought get was in very, some
0: very sick
1: burns, and I do appreciate very sick, you know you yeah, yeah. You are so odd. Yeah. Um. It's it's a. They lampshade it, but it's still kind of distasteful to watch now. I'm not saying, again, I'm not even saying it's so much on a political level. It's just on an aesthetics and erotics level. I find it absolutely not compelling that the two of them would end up together I, he's yeah, just sort they, of a sexual predator to I her. I don't
0: buy the romance between them at all. It's really no. inorganic. He basically just bullies her into it. Like every yeah. scene before she's possessed as you bring up, like he's basically yeah. just like, we're going to date, we're going to date. And she's like, I don't want to. I don't want to. Yeah. And I, you know, that whole trope of like the man not taking no for an answer, like very Ugh. common. And then being We've rewarded definitely, the end. And being rewarded with the the, the prize of, of woman. Yeah. Um, You know, that's something that is such a large part of pop culture and we've Yeah, been that's a whole separate it.
1: problem. But exactly, yeah. but it just like
0: at the end when they were like together, I was like, I don't buy this at all. Like it was just such, like if they had not had a romance subplot and she had just like been there and then been possessed and then been unpossessed, I would have been like, okay, fine. And yeah. I think that the 2016 version, if we can, because in the 2016 version, I think it's important to note that the possessed person is Chris Hemsworth's himbo. Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Um
1: and very interesting reversal. Another yes. classically beautiful actor like Sigourney uh-huh. Weaver. Yeah, who is in the position of having their body violated.
0: Yeah, he's now, kind it's of weird. It's he's weird kind of a combo Sig- of Annie Potts and Sigourney Weaver because he's hired right. as the receptionist. He doesn't. I mean, he is also like kind of a God quiet. He's I was going to say, like, he quietly steals this entire movie. We've got a little bit of, like, a Kenergy situation, in my opinion, because, like, yeah. some of the scenes that stick out most to me is, like, when he holds up the two headshots, and he's like, uh. which one is better? Like, And he's shirtless in both of them, and he's like, is it me looking at a saxophone or me playing a saxophone? And I'm, No, like,
1: he says, which one makes me look more like a doctor? Oh! And, and it's like, one's him shirtless <laughs> playing the saxophone. One is shirtless not playing the saxophone. It's like, which one makes me look more like a doctor? Like, and you're
0: like, I, he's so funny. He's just, and, and watching him like escape the shackles of the MCU before they let Thor be funny and yes. like just be funny. I was like, yes, more of this, please. Um, and be the he, most
1: Australian man. Like they don't yeah. make him do a British accent or anything. No, he's just no. the most Australian man you've ever met. And
0: even when he gets possessed, he's just like making people do silly dances. Like he's just so like Oh, that's another thing harmless. that was deleted.
1: There were a bunch of dancing scenes in yeah. that climax. Like I just extended... seen clips
0: of that like on like social and
1: stuff. Like it's that. so good. Yeah, it's... the dancing scene where he makes the cops and the soldiers dance is He's just so lovely, silly. and it yeah. really. Ma- and I I loved Hemsworth in this because yeah, it, you have this interesting reversal where mm-hmm. look, it's a comedy and they're not trying to hit this home, but he does essentially get raped. Like his body mm-hmm. is taken over by yeah. a malevolent force that means him harm. Right, and that's what happens to Sigourney Weaver and Rick right. Moranis in the original. Right. But Sigourney right. Weaver is the one we dwell on in the the original, and it's kind of effed up. Like really we, quickly, I totally forgot
0: Rick Moranis was even in this movie, and it was like not a bad jump scare, but I was like, "Oh my god, you're you mean here? An 84?
1: Yeah. in '84?" Yeah, '84 Ghostbusters. Yeah, I forgot
0: he was in it. I don't know how. Never forget. That erased it's one of his brain. iconic
1: roles. Yeah, Because yeah, I Lewis Little Tully. Shop is
0: one of my favorite, like, just properties in the whole wide sure, world. Sure, I love sure, Little yeah. Shop, but like. I, you know, and he's he's not acting anymore, and and go with God. I love him, but like I, yeah. I just totally forgot about him, and I was like, oh yay,
1: I'm glad you're. He's a delightful addition to that movie, yeah. but you know, and actually now that I think about it, Rowan, the villain in 2016, is kind of a riff on Louis. Yeah, Coley. he definitely
0: shares some DNA because he's like that he's sort a of a incel sad, resentment, yeah.
1: sad little man who. But the but thing the, is, Louis Tully doesn't take it out on anybody. really. No, I mean he gets but, possessed, but that's different.
0: But it's interesting because obviously Paul Feig had the you know advantage of making his Ghostbusters in a very different time when we yeah. are actually saying incel out loud and we're actually acknowledging that there are men who are yeah, just. But
1: as of 2016, it was still kind of dicey. Yeah. Like now we talk about it, but there were a yeah. lot of people in positions of power who were afraid really denying to take off the, the presence incels. of that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But he, I think Feig and again we may discuss him soon but i do want to bring up that i think that he is a very like despite being like a cisgendered man
1: he's We won't really, hold it against him that he's no, a cisgender. No.
0: No and you know what he is impeccably tailored and i love that for him. He is, he's yes. like a Savile Row suit-wearing dapper dapper man. Um yeah. but i i really respect his entire body of work because i think that he Is really good at capturing like the female experience and he works with a lot of he works with mccarthy a lot he works with a lot of female screenwriters he works with a lot of um just he's really he's a really smart director when it comes to women's stories i mean his big movies are bridesmaids spy the heat a simple favor all of these are female Mm store freaks and Mm -hmm. geeks has a lot of future male actors but it is focused on a girl and yeah. and mm-hmm. so like, mm-hmm. or future famous male actors, I should say. But you know, it, it's it's so interesting to me that he was able to harness this this thing that we were going to then really talk about in way more depth of like these these angry little men in the corners of society going, well, I want to blow yeah. it all up, as you perfectly yeah. put it earlier. Mm-hmm. But and then he also, I mean, speaking of the Hemsworth of it all, it's such a female gaze situation. Like he really, oh yeah he really plays up the fact that Chris Hemsworth is like this genetically blessed beautiful mm. human being and Grew like women
1: him in a vat to be right, handsome you know right
0: and like yeah I mean between all their kids the Hemsworth parents must just high five every single day like are, are you kidding <laughs> look at these men like shut I up know. but No, and and they really, he like lets the camera really linger on like his abs and his face. And I'm just like, this is so funny to me because this is truly like for, it's for the girls, but it's also like. It's for the
1: dolls, man. It's for the girls. Yeah, exactly. And that,
0: and it's such a benign movie in terms of like being a female centric reboot of like this classic. And people got so fucking mad about it. And I think a lot of it is just like, again, reading the audience for filth, but also like, just objectifying chris hemsworth in this really delightful also pretty harmless way because he's in yeah. on the joke you know hemsworth is also yeah. playing up that he's like Very this fabulously so. like, good-looking person whereas i don't think that that same privilege was afforded to sigourney
1: weaver i think no, she was- she's not in on the joke that no. the camera is lingering on her body no no
0: no and that <sighs> turn is what makes this movie so good and like you know, I don't want to go on record and be like, this is the definitive... I mean, maybe I do. Who knows? But I do I, want to play I think with it's fire the best... I think
1: the, I think the extended cut of Ghostbusters 2016 is the best Ghostbusters has ever been. And I've seen a lot of Ghostbusters. I was... A Ghostbusters obsessive as a kid, like young kid. But yeah. I, I, I had the exposure... This brings me to actually back to the initial question you asked, which yeah, is please. why are we talking about this? I saw The Boy and His Heron and they had an ad for Frozen Empire, mm-hmm. this sequel... And I just thought, my God, we have a whole generation of men who are convinced that Ghostbusters was really elaborate, serious mythology and not a comedy. Right. That, like, the mythology, I'm not saying the mythology can't be interesting. I really like the mythology in the first movie. Sure. But that's not the reason people came to see Ghostbusters. No. It's a, came a funny, Ghostb- silly
0: lark of a comedy. Like,
1: yeah, it's a lark of a comedy. It's an action yeah. comedy. And Ghostbusters 2 kind of forgot that and is just a bad movie for a lot of reasons. And yeah, I haven't I, I seen haven't,
0: like, a lot of the original 80s sequels. I've seen the original. There's only like 80s. one. It oh, was just, just it was, Ghostbusters 2. Uh, yeah, okay. it was
1: Ghostbusters 2. And Ghostbusters 2 is not very good. It has some memorable moments, but it's not a good movie. Pretty right. much everybody will agree on that. Sure. What people are. At least millennials, Xers right. and Boomers, I can't speak to, but millennial men, the ones who are obsessive about the Ghostbusters movies and are like, "Yeah, this new Afterlife and Frozen Empire—that's the real stuff. It's honoring the mythology." Jesus, those are people who grew up watching the cartoon. Mm. Do you recall? You might have been too young, but I there was an eight, there was like a I cartoon will... that ran for like eight seasons called yeah. the Real Ghostbusters. I should also be clear,
0: like this, that was not marketed to me. I was watching. No, you're
1: not. You were not a little boy. So they were not trying to get you to watch the real Ghostbusters. I was probably reading American Diaries
0: and watching Lizzie McGuire or something. Right.
1: They wanted me to watch it. Now, again, I'm a little older than you. And I think that was part of it because it ended its run Mm -hmm. when you were still pretty young. But yet, it's a show for young kids. Sure. And the thing is, the cartoon is wonderful. Cartoon is delightful, but it's even there, it's a comedy. That a lot of people watched, and because they're so young, they didn't realize it was supposed to be funny. Okay. And they have held on to this idea that Ghostbusters is fundamentally like a cool, spooky, serial adventure story. (sighs) When it's just, you saw a comedy, and especially the cartoon when you were a kid. Mm -hmm. And you didn't realize it was a comedy. There's no shame in that. Sure. When you're a kid, you can't necessarily distinguish between stuff that's horror comedy and just horror or action comedy and just action. But the Mm -hmm. goal of media literacy, I think, is that you grow up and you realize certain things were intended as comedies. And the serious mythology parts are just there to support the funny. And Afterlife... And Frozen Empire have completely jettisoned that. I haven't even seen them, but I've read plenty about them. At least well, the first one, which is out. Right. Just, they turned it into a very serious, solemn action type of thing that like honors mythology. And it's like, fuck that. What are you doing? You can't do that. Yeah, like why do we need a gritty
0: that. reboot of
1: Ghostbusters? Of like, Ghostbusters. It's not even gritty because <laughs> it's like kid friendly but dark somehow. Well you've got like, like
0: some Stranger Things kids in there. You've got Right. You and know. you have like a kid
1: named Podcast who has a podcast. It's like the dumbest That's, thing you've ever Is that heard real? Of. Yeah, there's a kid named Podcast <laughs> who whose defining trait is they have a podcast. That's I can't remember if they're non-binary or there's another non There's another kid who's non-binary, but like it's all dumb gimmicks trying to reach out to Zoomers. I don't even know if it's working. Maybe it is. Well, but, but it's
0: it's fascinating, isn't it? Just from a an optic standpoint, that like yes, Paul Feig is as we mentioned, and we will forgive him as this male man. Um, yeah. But it's very Jason interesting. Reitman, to- yeah. Well, Jason Reitman, like, had to swoop in and, I don't know, air quotes, rescue the <sighs> series. And, and it's know. like, and at this point, it's just an Ouroboros, right? It's just a snake yeah. just gnawing on its yeah. own tail. Yeah. We've, we've drifted There's no new so, stuff
1: coming in.
0: No, 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 no. We've drifted so far from, like, the goofy, silly Peter Venkman Ghostbusters, right. you know, origin. And now, we're, yeah, we have these, like ghostbusters frozen after whatever i'm not gonna watch an empire of these. yeah i'm not cares? gonna watch any of them because no, i don't but a lot of people are excited about, about it movie. yeah
1: but it's like it's a it's another franchise thing that reminds you of a childhood cartoon this is right. also my theory about the mcu millennials fell for the mcu not because they read comic books but because they watched the x-men and spider-man cartoons when mm-hmm. they were growing up and the marvel action hour i really think you can never underestimate the degree to which Children's cartoons have an impact on contemporary. And, and nostalgia toys. as
0: well. I mean, anyone who yeah, watched the original Star Wars yeah. films as a kid then went into the sequels, which I'm not saying are good movies. They're largely not. But like yeah. the the JJ Abrams led, you know, yeah. like they were like they took it so seriously. And it was like yes. it's a
1: it's there were a, some it's, jokes, but for it's the a most star part, war.
0: like chill. It's a Star like,
1: Wars. As a side note, uh, right after Ghostbusters, I was, uh, you know, during my crazy week and a half, Mm -hmm. um, I watched this amazing set of cuts of Star Wars, the original trilogy, that were uh, from a Swedish film print. Okay. uh, Film prints of the original run uh, of the three movies. They were just stored in some closet somewhere. They were, like, rotting. And somebody saved them and digitized them. So you can watch the movies as you would have seen them at like a second or third run theater. And so you see the original cuts, there's no changes. And also you see with all of the like fuzziness and the pops and flashes. And it's it completely restores the magic of Star Wars because it's not trying to be what you're talking about. It's not trying to be... Oh, we are hard sci-fi. We are serious stuff.
0: No, I mean, there's there's, serious the, the original Star, Star Wars, Wars movies are fun. There are serious, but they are a lot of fun. fun. Like I right. fondly remember, like I, my cousin was so into Star Wars, and she got me into. She had like cardboard cutouts of Leia and Vader in her room, and I. She brought me all of the originals on VHS, and I would watch them over and over and over yeah. again. Like I'm a re, especially as a kid, I would obsessively rewatch stuff. Like every day, I would sure. just put on the same movie. Sure, and why not? those movies were fun and they're fun especially when you're a kid and I think you know I don't want to get too into the weeds on like this that fandom because I I like you know not getting yelled at in public But I think that it suffers from a lot of the same syndrome that Ghostbusters did, where it's like you got to stop taking it as like as
1: serious. I'm not saying don't take it seriously seriously at all. Text, yeah. But you can't take it as dreadfully seriously as people do,
0: and you are sucking the fun out of the endeavor. And I think that maybe the greatest crime to bring it back to Ghostbusters 2016 that that movie committed in people's eyes is that it was just fun. It did not yeah. take itself too seriously. No, it's it did a, not take itself it's seriously. A good, and like that's the thing. I, you know, people were like, "It's bad," and I was like, "Okay, qual- qualify that." You know, because right. I think what the jokes mean? are solid. I think that like yeah. the movie's funny. I think it's an enjoyable watch, and yeah. I just don't. The crime it committed is it didn't like take this mythos and be like in the dark. I don't
1: know. I, I you no. know I don't know. No, what they I didn't. Would it was about. much more. But like it was using it as a using a lot of the tropes and the right. ideas like
0: a ghost remixing, puking on Kristen Wiig is funny. It's right. funny. They took
1: took ideas from the original, yeah. remixed them until it was a completely new thing. Right, and then yeah, said well, the point of Ghostbusters is to make you laugh along with making you feel thrilled. So we're gonna have some thrill. Right. Hey, well, for me, the big thing that was post transition about seeing it this time, yes, was. I realized the ultimate, most important point of this movie. The reason this movie has to exist and the reason it is essential. And that is never before had we gotten to see a major blockbuster action movie where four very different women who are pals shoot laser guns all at the same time. Yeah. When has that ever happened? It's something men are just used to uh-huh. that you get to see like four well-defined or a group of well-defined male characters shoot laser guns all at once. You're well, and if you're you, lucky if you get one girl in there shooting. I was going to say
0: guns. by that by that like train of thought which I love um, that really pandering shot in Avengers Endgame of, like... Oh, God,
1: of all the women together. Let's
0: go, girls. Um, Let's go, you know, girls. I was expecting, like, a Shania a riff over it, right? I know, and so, I know. But,
1: but like, Ghostbusters
0: yeah. did that, not that. They did what that was trying to do, and they did it yeah. correctly.
1: Right, because <laughs> Marvel, like, right, well, Marvel, Marvel had not actually... Marvel had never assembled these characters into a group no. before, this was this craven little moment that's like let's toss you a crumb and be happy. Whereas well, and then this movie- the only
0: original female Avenger. First of all, I mean, really quickly, two well, had been killed in the previous. She was killed because she doesn't have a family. She was yeah, called a monster because yeah. she couldn't have babies, she and couldn't then have she kids. only got a standalone movie after the character was dead. Yay!
1: Yep. Um, and, and so, was, yeah, yeah, but like COVID. the
0: Ghostbusters 2016, right? And it was buried during COVID and led to a fucking lawsuit. Um, yeah, but. No, it's, it's so interesting. 16,
1: yeah. Well, it goes, to, I mean, Feig and everybody involved in the movie mm-hmm. goes way out of their way. We were saying the movie doesn't take itself so seriously. I That's true to an extent, but it takes the character relationships very seriously. Right. It realizes that the only way this works is if it's funny, thrilling, and like the original Ghostbusters, has well-defined characters that bounce off of each other in an mm-hmm. interesting way. And the core Ghostbusters plus Chris Hemsworth are a fucking great comedy chemistry machine. They are.
0: They, I mean, McCarthy and Wig uh, had worked together in Bridesmaids, and they sure, get like the, their scene together at the end when Wig's Annie is like at her lowest point is kind of like the thesis statement of the movie where Melissa McCarthy yeah. is kind of shows up with her nine puppies and she's like, get your shit together. Like, right. get off the couch and take a shower and mm-hmm, mm-hmm, stop mm-hmm. doing whatever you're doing. Right. And so we, we knew they worked well together. We knew you could bring McKinnon into it because she and Wig were on SNL. We knew you could bring Leslie Jones. I mean, th-
1: I think all four really, of them were really, all yeah. four of them were SNL veterans. Even if Melissa's never been a cast member, she she's basically a honorary.
0: Times. Yeah, and right, and so it's she, four
1: four SNL sh- veterans right. who are really good at that shit.
0: Right, and who again, their chemistry is really really excellent. And I I want to bring you know up. I just brought up Bridesmaids, but with the exception yeah. of a simple favor, which is a very twisted take on female friendship yeah. in a delightful way. A sure. lot of Fig's movies have this through line of like you have to depend on the the women in your life. Like you have yeah. to you have to reach yeah. out a hand and go, Hey, I need your help. I mean, you said that spy is like not for you, and I love that movie, but like Melissa McCarthy is a very, very, turns out to be such a capable spy, but she needs her, like, goofy friend to help right. her in her mission because, like, she does need some assistance. And the yeah. bond of that friendship is, is a major throughline of the movie. And
1: Well, and it's know, very and it, different from the message of a lot of, like, MCU-style movies, yeah. which are be a hero, be right. a singular hero.
0: Whereas this is, like, a lot of this movie is really devoted to the fact that, like, Abby and Aaron... We're best friends, and Erin has distanced herself from Abby to look more respectable. Mm-hmm. And like the the re the reengineering and like reunion of these two people is what a brings the group together. But is like that's the love story of this movie. It's not oh, absolutely. Hemsworth it's not and about. No. It is. Abby and Erin, whether or not I agree with you that Abby is coded queer, and I think, you know, there's a part of her that's probably has feelings for Aaron. Yeah. But I but like the movie doesn't get into the weeds of that at all. No, and it's just as like these are best friends, and they need to, like, in yes. order to save everybody, they don't need to be a hero. They need to realize why they are best friends and work yeah. together with these two other women that give them power, that that make them the best versions of themselves. And like, I wish.
1: That we were at a place, at least in 2016, where we could have a female-led action movie where four people get to shoot laser guns, and it goes a little deeper than just that. But that is so rare to even get that. That's the thing. This was a real pioneering movie. I mean, I was talking about True Detective Season 1. I was watching Mm -hmm. because I'm watching Season 4. So good. Have you been watching? Oh, it's so good. It's excellent. Yeah. It's it's really good. And it makes me think a lot about this because Mm -hmm. right now, you had... Uh, You have True Detective, which, similarly to Ghostbusters, is poison ground when it comes to misogyny. Like, the original ground and foundation of both True Detective and Ghostbusters is very misogynist. Mm -hmm. And yet, in both Ghostbusters 2016 and True Detective Night Country, you have women entering and taking over the franchise for the most part. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, not just in front of the camera. You have Issa
0: Lopez, not just in front of the camera, you have Issa Lopez as the showrunner. It's a fully kind of feminized- Much as Katie Mm.
1: Dippold co-wrote Ghostbusters 2016, we should obviously mention. But yeah, you put women behind the camera and in front of the camera, and different things happen. It becomes a much different kind of story. Mm -hmm. And it's not just that it's like more feminine or like it's got a woman's touch. You just get different kinds of stories- and right. even and again, even if it's something as simple as it's basically the same story, except it's for women shooting the laser guns, that matters in it today's does. economy and aesthetic economy. Yeah, it really matters. Climate, yeah. To have, <laughs> yeah. To have a a movie that does that. And we're still behind the ball on that. Like, it's no, still we are. so rare to see this shit. And
0: it's interesting because you I mean, I I don't know, like the full details of this, but I know that like Nick pits a lot of the original yeah, uh, oh True Detective Charlie, I, I already complaining was about my Country. but I, didn't yeah.
1: see, I couldn't even find a comment. So I, I'm, I'm just, not going to comment on that. No, but, like, but
0: I mean, that's even an issue that's being discussed. Like, I saw it as yeah. a headline on Vulture, and I think I was like, I don't need that energy oh, Well, in Vulture my life reported right now. it,
1: maybe it happened. I was yeah, trying it, to find the Twitter. The trouble is these days, with Twitter being a garbage site now, uh, you can't yeah. find where the beef is starting. You know, no, Instagram no. isn't very searchable.
0: No, but, no, it's interesting anyway. the the way that these are received, though, because Night Country is getting, like, very positive reviews. Yeah, because it's different. It's,
1: it's very different. The yeah, world is changing really a little well, bit. It's
0: really well done. I mean, and again, like, you, you bring up that it's led by two women, and it's not even that it's, like, led, I mean, it is. It's led by Jodie Foster and Callie Reese, but, no. and Issa Lopez, but, The stories within it, like the search for a female activist, the struggle of Jodie Foster raising her stepdaughter who is native and indigenous and wants to connect with her culture. Like, it's a it's more about female stories and it's centering them more than any iteration of. True. I mean, the first season of True Detective is.
1: Well, uh, you remember, I always think of True Detective as the Kroll show bit, dead girl town. You know, that was. Right, but the I mean, the women
0: one. in that in that are Michelle Monahan oh, and Alexander Daddario, and they're both just sex portrayed basically. as like
1: nags and sluts. Yeah. and it was and just And like, Wallet
0: is a great you know performance showcase for Har- Harrelson and McConaughey. Like, it's really sexist. We can just say it's it. It's
1: really fine. gutter sexist. We try. I tried watching the first episode of season one. Mm-hmm. Which I watched season one obsessively when it came out a decade ago, exactly a decade ago, because mm-hmm. I was on staff at Vulture and everybody mm-hmm. was watching it. And the TV it was
0: huge. Community. It was a sense. It was part of the reconnaissance. It was a big deal. It was
1: part of the reconnaissance. It was a big deal. I remember finding it thrilling, but not really loving it. And rewatching mm-hmm. it now, especially as a woman, I was like, "This is just garbage." Like, yeah. not only is it not is it misogynist, it's just not interesting. Like, it's just a dull boilerplate story. Whereas. Something like Night Country or something like Ghostbusters 2016, it really is as simple as once you have it be a bunch of women, that alone changes a lot. But and it's then not you have tokenizing
0: pl- these women. It's not going, no. see?
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's not it's going, just, look, we gave you a woman. It's let's put women in positions of power, creative power. Yeah. And a lot of them and not just one. And Excuse the story me, happens
0: and the- organically and it happens in a way that is in- genuinely interesting, not. The let's go girls attempted no. feminism of Marvel. It's legitimate, it's genuine, and it's real. Mm. And that's why Ghostbusters yeah. 2016 is so important. And it paved the I way. I really love it. A weird, it's amazing that we were able to connect it to Night Country. I'm glad that you brought that up because it there is that through line of yeah. like, uh, Poison soil
1: that a flower grew out of yeah you
0: know? we it, the earth was not totally salted like things could no grow again. it was it, yeah
1: there's and and you mentioned cecily strong but i was sneezing when you mentioned <laughs> her i just want to really briefly say cecily i don't think you're listening to this but if you are i'd like you to remember that we went to high school together and i'm Hell a big yeah. fan of yours we both went to Oak Park and River Forest High School. Amazing. We overlapped for a year before she, I, I can't remember if she dropped out or transferred, but she left before her senior year. And uh, my best friend got to kiss her in a play. <gasps> and I know, can you imagine? I, I, I truly
0: cannot. I mean, I know. Cecily, she was a, if you she, are listening to this, your Jean, Jeanine Pirro rendition of My Way where you <laughs> climbed into the bathtub of wine, it lives rent-free in my brain. Thank you for that gift. She's she's
1: a She's an- unbelievably gifted performer also Dune was
0: cancelled too soon justice for Dune. I'm told her
1: her memoir I haven't been able to read her memoir because it's about largely the death of somebody that we both knew (sighs) and I'm just like not ready for that yet
0: understandable yeah
1: yeah it's like largely about her year or so of grappling with the death of this person we both knew and I'm like oh boy but I really admire her, and yeah. just wanted to give a shout out. To and Cecily. she has a great
0: supporting turn in, like oh, for, uh, she's so about good in this SNL. She plays you know, veterans. She's the you know the aide to
1: she plays mayor the, the aide, the sort of the, the, the mind of mm-hmm. Andy Garcia's mayor, and she plays like the perfect parody yeah. of one of those democratic operatives who's like, well, we just want to massage the message a little bit here. And like, you know, this could really cause a panic if we did it this way. And I was just like, you are nailing it. Like there are so many people I've interacted with in media and government like that character. And she's just so good at playing a Karen like yeah. there's just nobody She's better. She's really
0: really good at playing. Can I speak to the manager? She's excellent at it. Can I speak to the
1: manager yeah. or you don't understand, don't you know who I am? You know, it's yeah, just
0: Yeah, the 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 funny women in this movie are are used even and I want to really because we should wrap up shortly, but I yes, want to really we didn't really talk about Leslie Jones very much and I do want to oh, say Oh, I feel
1: like an idiot. I'm sorry. She, oh, Liz- no, she,
0: she plays yeah. a really toned down, I think people associate yes. Leslie Jones with, like, yelling. and Yeah, with this over-the-top thing. Yeah, she plays Which she's a really... she's very really good at. She's, I mean, her, watching her talk about, like, Game of Thrones and the Olympics, like, she's so funny. Yeah, it's, it's um, amazing,
1: but that's not all she can do.
0: No, and she played, like, a really, like, calmer character than people normally task her with playing. Like, Patty is, like, pretty, just kind of, like, what... She's... She's kind of the the inquisitive voice because she's new yeah. to ghost hunting and she's curious but she's not the, dismissive. And she's the voice of
1: reason often. Right, She's right. the one who's like more down to earth and not a ghost hunter like right. the three others.
0: And she she's so good in this movie. She's so, ex, again, Feig knows how to expertly deploy these actors. He has given all and of them- And to defy the great, expectations
1: you have about Exactly,
0: them. exactly. Because right. you think of Wig and Jones in particular as these really over the top- like character actors. character actors, and they're both really good <clears throat> at taking it back and dialing it back and being the straight man. And that's, I mean, Leslie Jones is is such a great supporting player in this movie. I also think that she is unfortunately such a lightning rod for for men who I don't know, who hate for women, awful
1: people. And
0: I think I that know. that was a, that was also like a a, that was a big you know a it. sticking yeah. point for this film. And you know what? Uh, if you don't like Leslie Jones because you haven't dealt with your internalized misogyny, uh, fuck go and fuck racism. yourself. Yeah, and racism, go fuck yourself because she's really and good. Transphobia, this movie.
1: she gets hit with stuff where it's like she looks like a man, and you're like, you, really, we're going to throw transphobia in on top of all of yeah, this? Yeah, let's like, just
0: let's just sprinkle a little you know, transgendered sprinkles, Jimmy's on top. But yeah, yeah why not or transphobic? But yeah, so. Fuck you if you don't I, like Leslie Jones. She's perfect like in this
1: movie. <laughs> she's great in this movie. And I know we did talk about her, but we didn't talk enough about Holtzman and Kate McKinnon. Mm. Just in these final moments, yeah, I want to say- Yeah, Holtzman
0: walked so Weird Barbie could do the splits. I think, wh- to, I, what, think I texted you that,
1: yeah. <laughs> yes, so Weird Barbie could run. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really, absolutely love Kate McKinnon's performance in this. And I've never seen a performance- be more attractive to all women, regardless of sexual orientation.
0: One million percent. Like we talk- Every
1: woman I knew saw like the trailer for this movie, mm -hmm. not even the movie and was like, I'm in love with Holtzman, with Kate McKinnon." Yeah,
0: I want her to hit me with a car. Um,
1: Yeah, she's so good in this.
0: Yeah, I love her. No, and, and, you know, Feig does this again with Blake Lively in A Simple Favor, where like parts of that movie have gotten me a little bit pregnant- and I'm like pretty criminally heterosexual, and I'm still just like whoa. And I had the same experience with Holtzman. So it's it's so interesting because this is something that Feig really like plays with. Is he takes uh, yeah. a woman and he's like, let me just make her universally attractive. Well, doesn't yeah, matter, it matter? Like, it doesn't
1: require, yeah, and it requires just letting them be weird and, and it not also, weird in a stereotypical way.
0: No, and I think it's not even. If I can take that and, and build on it really
1: quickly, Run with it. Yeah, please.
0: It's not even, to me, so much weird. It's letting that actor just work their charisma in a way that is so specific yep. to them. Because Kate, yep. Kate McKinnon has, again, she does it as Weird Barbie, that like really sly kind of like, oh, just yeah. like making everything like vaguely sexual, but in like a very hot yep. way. And then what he does with Blake Lively in A Simple Favor is she is so classically beautiful, but he lets her just be so fucking confident that you're like wow this is the (laughs) hottest person who's ever walked the earth like he just lets her tap into like yeah I'm fucking I'm so hot look at my legs look at my long hair look at the suit that I'm wearing you know my sky high heels and it's like he lets both of these really different performers tap into just their essential animal charisma and that's what makes them so like you're like hot to everyone right just just hot period um, yeah.
1: so yeah, it's the confidence, the weirdness, the uniqueness, the yeah. all of it. And you don't get to see women doing that very often. No, you just no. don't. And I, I mean, let you know, women I asked be
0: weird little guys. Just let, let more women be weird.
1: Little- <laughs> let women be weird little guys. It, that's a great place to end it. I, yeah. I always try to keep us under the hour mark, and we yeah. just got slightly over, but I don't think anyone's going to complain.
0: No, we're back. We're celebrating. It's our We're celebrating our, our return. Yes. Um, so, Josie, where can where can good people find you if they want to hear your thoughts on anything from Ghostbusters to the world of wrestling?
1: Yeah, people, both good and evil, can find me on my website, which is josie.zone. That's mm-hmm. J-O-S-I-E dot Z-O-N-E. Uh, but you can also find me on Blue Sky, if you use Blue Sky, uh, I am Josie.Zone there as well. You can also find me on Instagram at Abraham Joseph. Mm-hmm. I'm trying, I always am trying to change that name, but Meta, Facebook makes it so hard to yeah, change your name it really on difficult. Instagram. I'm like, this is just fucking transphobic. Like, I don't yep. want to be going by this name anymore, but right. good luck. So anyway, you can find me uh, on the internet. Where can people find you, Nina?
0: I'm still on Twitter. Um
1: Oh, uh, man. Well, you man, know what? Oh, man. again,
0: freelance writers, we we will stay. No, on you got to do what you got to do.
1: I'm lucky that I've built everything. a following on Blue yeah. Sky, but like if I hadn't built a following, I would probably still be.
0: I tried to log into Blue Sky and I don't remember my password, so um, I'm on there. But oh well, I, there goes that. So no, I mean I'll get it back, but like TBD on that. I'm I'm technically on it, um, but yeah, I'm on but Twitter. You're Nina That's, Starner, you're I'm Nina Starner Starter on Twitter. That's where I'm yeah. most active. My Instagram is like pretty. It's like Nina, and I also would like to change that, but can't. Um, For different reasons, but my Instagram is mostly just photos of my dog. Um, Twitter is where I'm at my most active and most feral, so just Mm. hang out with me there. Um, I'm 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 not even a little bit hinged, and that's the fun of it. So we have a lot of exciting thoughts and things that we are cooking up for this this season iteration version. Yeah, right.
1: We don't plan these out as much uh, in terms of our next episodes, but. We like to keep you in suspense because we're yeah. in suspense, too. I We're thinking about turning this into a Paul Feig series and I, doing Bridesmaids I think, next, which I think would be a lot of fun. Yeah. I,
0: and Freaks we'll and Geeks. and discuss. Freaks and yeah, Geeks. There's, there's a
1: lot more to explore there. There's a lot of, to borrow a yeah. phrase
0: that you've said before, fertile ground there, I think. Fertile a lot ground of in the Feig movies. Yes. I completely
1: so, agree. So, so maybe we, we'll do that.
0: Yeah, we've, but we, we're going to cook up some fun stuff is, is what yes, we're going to so do. Yes, you're going to love yeah. this
1: season. I have yeah. no idea how long the season will be, but we're just going to keep going as long as we can.
0: And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. See
1: you next time.